This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. The world's oldest civilizations all have ties to one spiritual enemy. He is known by many names, but his destruction is consistent throughout history. Dr. Douglas Hamp reveals the trickery and treachery of Satan throughout the ages so that we may know thy enemy. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Dora fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. The Ancient Enemy with Dr. Douglas Hamp reveals little known history of Satan's dominion on earth, the nature and extent of his power, and his master plan to infiltrate our lives to destroy us from within. End times are upon us. It is imperative to know your ancient enemy. But before we get to that, here is your astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. The new moon was seen earlier this week, and that means we are into the sixth month of the year. And in fact, it was this week in Yeshua's ministry that he sent out the 12 in pairs. Remember that story where he said, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. That's where this happened, this week in history. Uh, you can find that out in the Chronological Gospels Bible, event number 98, right there, there's my copy right there. I hope you have yours. Now, please welcome my co-host for this evening, the Chief Operating Officer of Arude Awakening International, Ted Clayton. Scott, thank you for allowing me to be here on this very important evening with this very important teaching for Dr. Doug, from Dr. Douglas Hamp. Ladies and gentlemen, you have got to know the enemy. You cannot keep your head in the sand and not know the plans of the, of the coming enemy. And ladies and gentlemen, I am so honored that uh, Doug Hamp would be here with us to help us understand what the enemy is fixing to do and has already started doing within our lives today. That's right, and we're, we're actually having a hit, the love gift this month is also with Dr. Douglas Hamp. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have a, an app or an app extra coming to the MichaelRude.tv app. Uh, we talk about some very sensitive subjects because as you say, you know, this is, it's not about wrestling against people. We're not, right. to, to be people against people, we're gonna waste our time and we're gonna fall into the trap of the enemy. We need, to read, we need to recognize that we are up against a spirit and that spirit is controlling people. It is not flesh against flesh, it is a spirit. And we need to defeat that spirit in order to save the person because that person's just like you and I, regardless of what's happening in their lives. Indeed. We need to help them to go the way of this book instead of going the way of Satan. That's right, and ladies and gentlemen, listen. I cannot be more emphatic when I say that these are troubling times right now. Uh, it's not hard to see right now the division that's happening, not only in our own country, but within the world, the different things that are taking place. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important that you understand your enemy. You cannot defeat your enemy unless you understand your enemy. It's an old uh, military mm -hmm. saying. And ladies and gentlemen, I am so honored, like I said a little while ago, to, to be a part of this day and these teachings right now. Now, fortunately, we know how this book ends. That's right. We win. That's right. But we've got to do our part in order to make that happen. That's uh, right. So 
at the end of this book is the book of the Revelation, and that, that's yes. I really I'm really glad Michael finds out the easiest book <laughs> to yeah. understand because I certainly don't. Yeah. But one person who understands more than just English itself is Pam Lutzker, and she heads up our volunteer translators, and yes. she's doing some wonderful things with the chronological gospels. Uh, tell us what she's doing. Every Every day, I get more and more thrilled with what uh, Pamela Lutzker is doing with us. And I just want to say thank you openly again to Pamela because she does do such a great job. She takes the chronological gospels and she helps coordinate with Anna Lill, who is our international coordinator. She helps get these, this, this, this truth into the different languages of the world. Right now, uh, they've got it in Spanish. It's going in Russian, mm-hmm. Chinese, it's there. And, and every day, uh, German, German, I think French, Italian was on the Italian. list. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this book, The Chronological Gospels, if I may uh, pull it over ahead, here, yeah. Scott. This is important. This is not something that we can just toss aside. This is something that I try to read every single day because it helps me to understand God's word more and more and better and better every day. And now we're able, with your help, we're actually able to take this gospel through the chronological gospels, Michael's 40-year work, Mm -hmm. and take it around the world in all of these different languages. And I just wanna say a big thank you to our international team for doing such a great job with that. We couldn't do it without them, ladies and gentlemen, just like we can't do all of this without you. Right, now some of our members of our team are just paid employees like everyone else here at Rude Awakening, but Pam is a volunteer. volunteer. She does all of this at no cost, zero cost. So, I mean, just if you wanna say a thank you, a thank you prayer to Yehovah and ask him to bless Pamela in many different ways, that would uh, just tickle her heart. I know she's she's very dedicated to this. She is, uh, she actually has her own publishing company now where she is doing uh, some things uh, like this related to the Chronological Gospels because she just loves what Michael has done in this. And uh, again, uh, thank you, Pam, for doing that. I I echo what Ted is saying, very wonderful. Now, uh, Image of the Beast, this is our, Love gift for August. This is an amazing teaching from Dr. Douglas Hamp uh, talking about transhumanism. Wow. Tran- yeah, very uh, deep. very deep stuff. And some people say, oh, that's kind of that conspiracy on the edge, UFO stuff. Look, it, it's no longer a theory. There, <laughs> there are some conspiracies out there yes. against you and I. And there's some other things happening in the world that are leading to what this is. Transhumanism is real. People are messing with DNA. We're, we're doing all these things we should not be touching. And... Doug Hamp does a wonderful job of connecting it to the image of the beast. You know, Scott, remember what we said a little while ago about knowing your enemy? Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, get this teaching so that you can know more about your enemy once again, and this is part of that. Now, speaking of an enemy, at the beginning of a war, Israel would have the call to arms with one of these, a ram's horn shofar. And so when you donate to A Rude Awakening to get the love gift, if you donate $50, your gift is going to be this teaching from Dr. Douglas Hamp, who was more, more than gracious enough to come here on his own time and do this for uh, this ministry. Yes. Basically donating his time to put it in your hands. So we, uh, we just want to give it to you and as a thanks for your donation of $50 or more. For $100 or more, you'll get the teaching and the ram's horn shofar. And this is beautiful, by the way. It's oh, a beautiful it is. ram's horn. And it works. 
See, wow, there you go. that was impromptu. You gotta do it out of the corner <laughs> of your mouth. That's, that's the key. All right, and for a gift of $300 or more, you'll get everything plus this uh, beautiful uh, parchment scroll with Isaiah 53 on it. Uh, this is a thicker than I thought. When we first pulled it oh, out, yeah. I thought I was, it, I was gonna be very delicate with it, but no, it's a, it's a strong well, this, this is definitely something that you could frame yes, and put absolutely. in your home if you wanted to. So ladies and gentlemen, don't wait, don't hesitate. Be a part of our Love Gift family and get some of this today. Absolutely. Now, before we go, we wanna give you a little snippet of what is coming up today from Dr. Douglas Ham. Take a look. Wow, this unlocks so much in scripture that it's not just some dumb little piece of ceramic or wood or something that people are bowing down to, but it's, it's a representation of Satan. All right, there we go. So there is a piece of what we're gonna see tonight from Dr. Douglas Hamp. Incredible, amazing stuff. Yep. incredible. Folks, let me tell you, this is amazing. You don't wanna miss a moment of it. Michael is coming with the kiddish in just a moment. And then Dr. Doug Hamp and Scott are gonna be here to talk about the enemy in ways that you need to know about. Indeed, okay, thanks for joining us today, Ted. Dr. Douglas Hamp reveals the trickery and treachery of Satan throughout the ages so that we may know thy enemy. It is the first episode of Satan, the Ancient Enemy. See you in two minutes. What is it about being human that makes us so prideful? Where does it come from? Dr. Douglas Hamp reveals man's deception of pride that has been building since the Tower of Babel and how to escape the final deception, the image of the beast. I really see that the, the image of the beast is going to be where you're not only transformed genetically, biologically, but now your mind is part of a hive network. From transgenderism to transhumanism, Dr. Douglas Hamp reveals how man's arrogance challenges Yehovah's perfection and leads to destruction. But the only way to watch this special teaching is to receive it as our gift. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you The Image of the Beast on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you The Image of the Beast plus a ram's horn shofar, the original call to worship in ancient Israel. Or as a special offer for a donation of $300, we'll send you the image of the beast, the ram's horn shofar, and a beautiful parchment scroll printed with Isaiah 53, complete with a handsome carrying case. These are special gifts from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Remember, this offer ends August 31st and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts, 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. There is a rabbinic tradition, even a takanot, a law which changed biblical law, that before one eats bread, one must wash their hand with the two-handled pot, a nagel vessel, and say this prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your commandments, commanding us to wash the hands. Nowhere in the scripture is this ever commanded. In fact, the rabbis will plainly say that we are the ones that made it up, 
and when you are obeying us, you're obeying God. Well, Yeshua said, do not follow the Takanot of the Pharisees. Do not follow their man-made rules and regulations. But every time there is bread, every time we can remember what Yeshua said, what he put in place. And we can say the prayer, Baruchatah Yehovah Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Yeshua said, I am the bread brought forth in the earth. This represents my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, if it's every meal, if it's every Sabbath, you do it in remembrance of me, because by his stripes, we were healed. And Yeshua took the cup, and he said, Baruch atah Yehovah, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, pari hagafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood, the broken covenant in which we were offered to be priests and kings. Yeshua paid the price. He renewed the covenant with us and made us priests and kings. And so as often as we do this, we remember this and we reign as priests and kings now and will do so in the future with Yeshua for a thousand years in our resurrected body along with his resurrected body. And we do this in remembrance of him. Shalom. As you may have heard Michael Rood say, the creator of the universe has told us the end of time from the beginning. All of the things that John talks about in Revelation are not just going back to Daniel, but before Daniel, to the beginning of time. Uh, think of Adam and Eve, where the serpent was tricking them into doing something they were told not to by God. Well, where did that creature go? Where, does, where is Lucifer in the Bible? We don't find him. Well, Satan has many aliases, and someone who has explained that very well is Dr. Douglas Hamp. He joins us today on Shabbat Night Live for Corrupting the Image, part two. Welcome, Dr. Doug. Thank you. So this is part two of a book. Obviously, the first book was uh, Corrupting the Image, uh, just uh, no part one, just the way it was. And there was we were talking about angels, aliens, and the Antichrist revealed, and now, uh, there's hybrids, Hades, and the Mount Hermon connection, something I had no idea really even to think about. <laughs> I think of Satan as Satan, okay, well, it's the, uh, you know, the, the evil inclination that some faiths even will you know, dispute the existence of Satan and say, well, that's, that Satan is just your inner, your inner self fighting against uh, God within you. But Satan is an actual guy with actual aliases, and he's a... Uh, an agent for evil uh, throughout time. So uh, I guess my first question is, why would a messianic pastor like yourself, uh, one who's written several books, would be focused on Satan? What's so fascinating about Satan? You know, when you, when you write a, a fictional book, you wanna do something called a character study. So you wanna develop your characters and understand your good guy, what is he like? And you're, you're making all those up, you're trying to understand my character, because then you're gonna understand the motivation. So when you understand what are the motivations behind 
who Satan is, like understand what his character is. And, mm-hmm. and, and the Bible actually has a lot to say about him, and so does the ancient world. The trouble is Satan's a master of disguise. And we're never gonna find the word Lucifer in the ancient literature, because it's not there. You're not gonna find Satan in the ancient literature. But once we understand the names that, that he was going by, these are called epithets, these are titles, mm-hmm. and understand that you know, he, was, he was called Enlil in the ancient world, then you find him everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that really adds a lot of texture, of depth, of detail to who this being is. And we find the same type of imagery in the book of Revelation and many parts of the Bible as we do of the ancient world. But the key is to really understand uh, who this being is and where to look for him. So it's not really focusing on him because uh, we're fascinated with him, but just to know your enemy. Know your enemy. In order to defeat him. Exactly. That's the idea. Well, and also understanding the enemy is gonna help you understand what the good guy has to do, right? So again, mm-hmm. when you're writing a, a, a fictional story, you really need to know what's your bad guy up to? What's, what is his goal, right? If he, if he wants to take over the world, then the good guy has to have some answer to that, right? So we're, we're, we're talking about a, a cosmic story, which we happen to be a part of. And we know that Jesus came and he died on the cross. Right? We've all heard this and it's true. It's, it's a great message, but, but why? did Jesus have to die on the cross? I mean, you know, we've heard the, the simple answers and those are fine, I have no, no, no problem with that. But there's this, all this depth, it's kind of this iceberg thing, right? Like, mm. you know, Jesus died for your sins, that's the tip of the iceberg, right? Then there's this huge uh, under text that is, is part of this story and it mm. really helps us to make sense of what happened in the beginning of the Bible in the Garden of Eden. It helps us understand uh, some of the various things that happen in Scripture throughout the Bible, through the history of Israel, and then some of the things that Jesus was doing. I mean, even when he crosses the Sea of Galilee into Gadara, what was up with that, right? You have this storm that comes up, and then he takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and he says the gates of Hades will not prevail. And then you have the you know, him taking his disciples on top of what I believe is Mount Hermon. Why does he do that, right? So understanding this bigger context answers a lot of those questions. So what I'd like to do in this series, because we're going we're going to do several episodes. This will not be the, the only episode because this book is 400 pages. We're not going to get through it in one episode. So what I'd like to do is take our uh, audience on a journey through your book, uh, which by the way, we can get at Amazon. Is that the best place to get it? Yes. Okay, so that's that's how we wanna, we wanna make that known because first of all, we wanna thank you for coming here and we wanna bless you and your ministry. And uh, so get the book on Amazon. Both of the books are on Amazon, correct? Yes. Okay, so both, Corrupting the Image and Correcting, corrupting the Image too. I'm assuming if you just search that in Amazon, you'll find it. Yes. Okay, very good. And so we're going to just go through basically the table of contents and start covering off uh, what we're talking about here, why we're talking about it, and uh, equip people to deal with this creature and uh, learn who their enemy is and how to defeat him. So first of all, we have part one of your book is called The Great Dragon uh, Gains Dominion of the Earth. So chapter one talks about Satan's mysterious identity as Enlil. Now, I don't know if I've ever heard the name Enlil. What, what are we talking about here? Where does this come from? Uh, how can we recognize it in right. history? Well, so, you know, I love to start with the Bible. The Bible is my absolute authority. Everything else is commentary, 
on the Bible, okay? Sure. So it helps me understand the Bible better. So when you go to Isaiah 14, verse 12, he says, how you have fallen, uh, O Lucifer, son of the morning, right? So we're like, okay, Lucifer, right? We've heard this for a very long time. But when you go back to the original Hebrew, the word is Halel, right? So the, the translators of the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the uh, Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, they translated as eosphoros, which is the bringer or the bearer of the dawn, right? But that is not the best rendition of the word uh, halel. So I have a friend who is a scholar, and he traced en, uh, halel back to the Akkadian elil, which is the Sumerian enlil. Now, I know some of these words are like, what, if, what are you talking about, okay? <laughs> so as we go back in ancient history, uh, you have uh, Sumer, which is the biblical Shinar, right? Mm. Shinar comes from the Hebrew Shneneot, which is the two rivers. Shinar, we know. Mesopotamia, right? Okay, yes. And in Greek, it's Mesopotamia, right? Between the two rivers. Uh, so that's Shinar. So Shinar is Sumer. Uh, so that was probably the oldest civilization that we know about. Hmm. Right, even older a little bit than Egyptian history. And then after that would come, uh, so Sumer and, and Old Babylonian are kind of more or less the same thing. And then you have the Akkadian Empire. So when we talk about Akkad or Akkadian, the Akkadian language, um, they're kind of related but, but a little bit different. So those are the two languages that I really focused on to understand some of these terms that we're talking about. So here we have a word this is what we call hapax the gamana. That's a word that appears once in scripture, okay? So what do you do with this thing, right? Halel. Well, you, you trace it back and you find that it's Elil in Akkadian and Enlil in Sumerian. And Enlil is a god that you find everywhere in the ancient world. Oh, right? okay. He, he was the, um, uh, his, his name means um, uh, the god of the wind or god of the, god of the wind, basically. And uh, he, he had uh, many different epithets that we find in scripture. So you think about the prince of the power of the air, mm, right? Mm -hmm. you know, so, so Paul is using this term, but where did he get this term? Well, it goes back to Enlil. And even oh. the term idol, like you're not supposed to worship idols, that is Elilim in Hebrew, and Elil and Elil are probably the one and the same thing. So we're, mm. you know, God says don't bow down to these little statues. He's really saying, don't bow down to Enlil. Don't bow down to Satan, right? So when you see that, you're like, wow, this unlocks so much in scripture that it's not just some dumb little piece of ceramic or wood or something that people are bowing down to, but it's, it's a representation of Satan. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly we find him everywhere mentioned in scripture and of course the ancient world. It's interesting you call him a god. So this is really, you know, Satan worship. We think of something that is Maybe it came up around the 1500s or something. Right. But no, 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 this goes way back. This is like Satan worship is as old as time itself. Indeed. I mean, you know, there really is this incredible saga that we have to understand that when God created the world, he created a class of beings that we would call angels, okay? mm -hmm. kind of a big class of beings. And, and within that class, we have this other class of beings called these cherubim. And Satan was one of the cherubim. And his job was really to be the chief steward. I like to think of uh, Joseph and Pharaoh, right? So Pharaoh raises up Joseph and he says, look, I'm Pharaoh and the, here's my throne. But other than that, you're in charge, right? 
And so Joseph was number one, well, number two, in Egypt. But the moment that Pharaoh had a son, that son would outrank Joseph. Even though Joseph was in control of everything, Pharaoh's son would outrank him. And this is essentially what God did. He put Satan in charge of everything. We see this in Isaiah 14. We see it in Ezekiel 28 as well. But Satan wasn't happy with that position. He wanted to be the heir, not just the chief steward. And so he basically found a way to usurp, to take away the authority, the the dominion that God had placed in Adam. He then took it for himself. And this is a huge thing for us to understand as believers, is that, you know, when you're, in, when you're in Yeshua, there's like a wall of fire around you. Nobody can touch you. Satan can't touch you because you're protected. Remember when the children of Israel came out and Balak hired Balaam to come and curse the children of Israel? And, you know, he took them to these different mountains. All right, now curse them, right? And he tries, and it always turns into a blessing. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and Balak's like, what have you done? <laughs> I heard you to curse them, not to bless them. But he couldn't because they were blessed. Mm. But then Balaam had an idea because he was greedy. He wanted the money. So he told Balak, have the young ladies come, the Moabitesses, and take, you know, go and seduce the Israelite men, and you'll go worship Baal of Peor. And then it says that the anger of the Lord was against Israel. So it's kind of like the Trojan horse, right? The Greeks are trying to take the city Mm -hmm. of Troy. They can't, it's impregnable. Its defenses are too good. And then when they take in the Trojan horse, right? They let in the enemy. That's essentially what Satan is trying to do is to get us to let him in. And then he takes over that authority. And so when he has the authority, then he has he has a weapon that he can actually fight God with, right? So this, there's kind of this, this bigger thing about authority and Satan got the authority and that's how he was able to stay in control. Interesting, huh? Well, tell me about uh, Enlil as the great dragon. Why is he a great dragon? So this is something we find in the book of Revelation. He talks about the great dragon, and, and it seems random. Like, why would he be called a dragon? Yeah. And yet when we go back and we look at the literature, we find that uh, Enlil was known as the great dragon. He has a number of different uh, epithets or different titles. He's called, uh, he's called the Anzu, he's called the Mushkushu, uh, he's called the Ushumgalu, which Ushumgalu literally means great dragon. Huh. Right, so that was one of his major titles in the ancient world was Great Dragon. So when we have, let me stop you there just for a second. So we have, you know, we have this Great Dragon. We'll get into this later, but there's a there's the woman uh, figure in in Revelation. All these different creatures and people. Is it all Satan? Is it agents of Satan? What are we to make of all that? Yeah, you know, I think that Satan is incredibly. Uh, full of himself, and you know, I, I think, obviously he has beings that are working with him, there's no question mm-hmm. about that. But I think he's really trying to put himself front and center. Now, he doesn't like to share. <laughs> Why would Satan want to share? I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't think he likes to share his glory or his yeah. perceived glory, Yeah. you know, and you know, so that there are other, other beings out there doing things. But what's crazy is we find that all roads really lead back to Satan mm. uh, in one form or another. 
They're just variations on a theme or they're different languages and different ways to express that. You know, and as languages change and uh, have evolved over time, the way that we say these different words or how they get translated in different languages, but it all takes you back to the same being. And there are different ways that we can really test that is by uh, looking at different symbols that represent what appear to be different gods, but are actually one and the same god. Hmm. For example, the god of the Amorites, his name was Martu. Mm -hmm. Well, Martu has the same epithets as Enlil. Ah. So, for example, he's called the Great Mountain. And you're like, okay, so this one's the Great Mountain, and this one's the Great Mountain. Uh, and they have some other uh, symbols in the, the logogram of the uh, Sumerian and Akkadian. They're, they're sharing those as well. Hmm. So it, you come to the conclusion, these are the same God. And what's interesting is that the ancient scribes understood this. They hmm. understood by that this, these two different gods, different names, but they have the same Sumerian logogram and the same symbol they're like, well, these are the same gods. So there was a conscious syncretism in their mind. They're like, well, Dagon and Enlil, same guy, right? So if they understood that, I'm, why wouldn't we want to understand that as well? It seems like a, this giant mirror opposite counterfeit thing happening with what God does. Because it, it almost, like if all roads lead to Satan, I mean, everything good leads to God, right? right. It's sort of the opposite. And, and thinking of the mountain thing, I didn't know this. So... And it's almost like where God picked, why did God pick a Mount Sinai? Why a mountain? Why come up to the mountain, Moses, and speak with me? You know, it's, it's all this equal and opposite thing. Right. And even I'm thinking that this is a good way to recognize uh, the, the darkness of Satan because choose life or mm -hmm. choose death. Right. Well, guess who death is? Yeah. And everything, you know, or when we talk about the Ten Commandments, this can all be so very complicated or can be very simple, right? So right. We, we talk about how, the commandments can be summed up in love God, love people. Well, Satan, hate God, hate people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. It's all about yeah. hate. It's all about death. Yeah. It's all about all roads lead to this ugliness. Right. Um, and maybe that's a good way to recognize uh, and not be deceived. I mean, so many of his, of his epithets have death explicitly in them. Huh. Right? That is one of his things. Like He is known as the God of death and the, and the abode of the dead. Right, so death and Sheol, and we're going to find that those pair, that pair, uh, we find that in Isaiah 28. We find it in Revelation chapter six, where it talks about death and Hades. Right, so we, we see these themes again and again. But you have to go back to the beginning to decode these things to kind of yeah. get what's the password. Right, <laughs> so this is all the password uh, research to say, okay, what do these terms mean? And once we have the meaning of them, then we can go back and plug them in and say, oh, I get it. This makes so much sense. I'm really excited about it because I think God has brought us to a time where we have so much research and we have access to that research mm -hmm. that now we can start putting these things together. I'll tell you, I could never have done this research 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever, because we just didn't have the tools, but nowadays it's so much easier. Just everything's online and it's out there. It's online and, and yeah, I mean, huh. I didn't go to a single library, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I had, you know, I had lots and lots of virtual libraries that I could visit and I could do the research. And so that just allowed me to put these pieces together. Mm. And the picture that's being revealed is astounding. Wow. You know, I, my wife and I a few years ago went to Mexico, to Cancun, and we took one of, a trip to where they have all the, the pyramids and things. 
And uh, we went there and <laughs> I didn't realize when I got there, we would see all the carvings on the walls and, and everything is skulls and death and celebrating death. Right. And I thought these, and I said to my wife, these people are, were focused on death. Right. And even the games they had, the, the tournaments, mm -hmm. uh, whoever lost would die. And that, that was an honor to die in this mm -hmm. tournament. And these mm -hmm. are the same people that would, you know, uh, take a man's heart out when he was still living and sacrifice him to the, you know, a volcano or Chichen whatever. Itzu, I, right. Chichen Itzu, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yes. Chichen Itza. Yeah. That Chichen was Itza, Chichen, that's you. the yeah. exact place we yeah. went to. Yeah. And even these places where they had great sinkholes, they would throw people into the sinkholes as, right. uh, you know, sacrifices to this bottomless pit, which they assumed at the bottom of the water. It was basically just a big, uh, you know, bottomless water <laughs> pit. Yeah. That that was the gateway to hell. Right. And they were sending someone to hell or what they understood as such. Right. Uh, so it, it's not that there's this God and that God and that, it all, what you're saying, all roads lead to one place and it's all Satan taking the glory for himself. Right. And I think that something that really uh, became clear as I did the research is to understand that Satan really did have authority mm. over the planet, right? So from the time that he, he basically took it from Adam and Eve, right? So God creates the planet, belongs to him. He then gives the lease to Adam and Eve, right? Here, uh -huh. you got dominion over the planet. Okay, and then Satan comes along and says, hey, you know, can I have that? And they're like, this, sure, right? And so they give it to him. And, and he flaunts this when Jesus comes along and he says, look, all this, these kingdoms have been delivered to me mm -hmm. and I can give them to whoever I want. Jesus says that Satan was the God of this world, right? So there's no, question that he really did have this authority. And what's crazy is that we see him flaunting this in the ancient world. There's something called the Akitu festival. Hmm. So in the Akitu festival, uh, the, the earthly king would be the representation of Ninurta, the Lord of the earth. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they would reenact this scene where the creator God, Anu, had been killed and then the good news, yes, the good news, Busurat Salmi in, uh, in Akkadian, the good news was taken to Enlil to tell him that the creator God had been killed. Huh. I mean, that's pretty much in your face, right? This is Satan just snubbing his nose at God and saying, look, I've got control of the earth. And then there was something that he held called the Tablet of Destinies. And it gave him authority over the affairs and the destinies of men. Mm. And so whoever held the Tablet of Destinies was the one who had control over the earth, the authority over the earth. And then we see in the literature that then, then Satan or Enlil gives that to Ninurta, who is Nimrod, we can talk about that later. But he, uh, he, he conveys this to the agent of his choice, but it always goes back to him. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of, of this, this um, idea of death, this kingdom of death, is because Satan has nothing to offer. God is life, God is always giving, he has more to give. Satan is taking, he's a consumer. Mm -hmm. and, and so that is, in a sense, what death is, right? It's always consuming, it's always sucking up things versus giving out. He's got nothing to give, but he did have authority over the planet uh, until Jesus took it back at the cross. And this is why the world at large has been trying to pacify him. Because if you do know the one that has authority, you can gain some different things in this world 
for a certain time, right? Satan can make your life a little easier, a little harder, but uh, if you pacify him, then okay, I'll let you do what you want, right? Mm. And I'll kind of give you your kingdom where you can become a god, so to speak, or have whatever you want in this life, but don't worry, you're all coming back to me eventually. Interesting. Well, hold that thought. We're gonna learn more about this in a second when we come back. If you are enjoying and are as fascinating as I am about this stuff, uh, please support Shabbat Night Live. It's the only reason we can bring Doug here. So thank you for your support. We're gonna give you a couple minutes to do that. We'll be right back. And thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. Before the break, we were talking with our guest, Dr. Douglas Hamp, about all things hybrids, Hades, and corrupting the image. Your new book, uh, Corrupting the Image, part two. And uh, we were in the break here, we were talking about the typical Hebrew prayer that starts off with, Baruch uh, Adonai Eleheinu Melech Ha'olam. Melech is king, Melech Ha'olam, king of the universe. But I remember this creature that's related to all kinds of things that we won't get into right now, but molech, that seems, is that related? That seems kind of like an equal and opposite thing. Does it mean kind of the same thing? Yeah, molech uh, means king. Ah, right. Okay. So uh, we, there's a lot of different names uh, that are related to that, this whole idea of king, molech being one of them, uh, chemosh is another. But the way that it's, it's pronounced, molech, is probably goes back to the word boshet, which means shame. Ah. And so the uh, the Masoretes were putting in these vowels so that when you said it, you were saying right. shame. But really what's happening here is Molech is the god of death. And he required child sacrifice. We know that King mm -hmm. Solomon brought him into Israel, unfortunately. But what's interesting is when we go into the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, he talks there about the king of Tyre. So son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. And then he goes on to say that you know, you were the anointed cherub, you were in the garden of God, and you're like, wait, this doesn't sound like a guy. You know, he's covered with all these different stones, you were the epitome of beauty and wisdom. So who is this, this mm. character? So when you start looking at the king of Tyre, um, the, the, the term there is actually uh, Melek Karat, so, or Melkart. Okay. So Melkart, being the king of Tyre, was not a human. This was one of the gods, so to speak, okay? But the king of Tyre, Melkart, uh, he was a god that, that uh, required child sacrifice. Uh, mm. He was then taken to Carthage, where they were very much into child sacrifice. He was also known, this was really surprising, is that he was known in a bilingual Greek inscription, uh, Greek and uh, Phoenician inscription, he was called Heracles, or mm. Hercules. Now we often oh. think of Hercules as you know the the great hero, and the you know, strong man. The, the strong yeah. man, you know, okay. he's doing all these things for the Greek gods and all this stuff. But that's a much later uh, designation of him. But, but it is related. He's totally related. Wow. Yeah, and he's not the good guy that we think him to be. Hmm. Um, of course, you know, some of these these myths so evolve over time. But. Is this what these cultures did? They all just kind of borrowed each other's yes. gods and invented their own and gave them a twist and like. Egyptian, Roman, Greek, they all just sort of... Well, they all go back to Sumer. Ah, They okay. all go back to Sumer, yeah. And oh. um, so, you know, the Phoenicians had a lot of uh, exchange with the Greeks. So the Greeks were getting their, these big ideas from the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians either got them from the land of Canaan or they had gotten them from Sumer uh, centuries earlier. Wow. Right. And... You know, so understanding these different names, they're like, oh, the king of Tyre is just Melkart. 
right? Karat meaning city, so he's the king of the city. So the king of the city was also a kind of a nickname, if you will, for the god of the underworld. And the god of the underworld we see in so many different places. For example, when we go just a little bit north of Phoenicia, we go to Ugarit. Uh, so in the Ugaritic uh, documents, we find that there was a god of death. Uh, he was called the Melek, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was the, the god of death. And he's related to King Og uh, of Bashan, right? So though he's the one that the Israelites discover when they come into the land of Canaan. Uh, it's amazing how they all fit together. Yeah, you know. But kind of going back to to Melkart, he's also known as the hero, and the hero, uh, that that idea of the the hero. I mean, you know, Hercules, he's the hero par excellence, right? Yeah. Well, that idea of hero takes us back to Nimrod. Uh, mm. it, we discover in the book of Genesis, right? And we discover that he and Satan are actually quite related, right? So they're very much connected. But that's maybe but Nimrod, a different story. But Nimrod isn't, I mean, we'll get into that later, but yeah. Nimrod is an actual guy. He was an actual guy. But yet yes. he, he, yeah, okay. Well, it says that he became a gibor, right? right? And the word gibor is hero. Okay. Right, so, you know, Gabriel is God is my hero. Right, ah. so valiant, mighty, but the basic idea is hero. So that Melkart or Heracles was the hero Right? And, and so again, this whole idea of this hero worship, we see it throughout human history. We, we still love it in our movies, right? And yeah. it's often the hero who's, when you really take a look at these guys, you're like, you're actually kind of anti-Yehovah, right? You're, yeah. not, you're not on the same team, you know? It makes a good story, <laughs> but you're against the gods, you know? And, uh, you know, even in the Greek mythology, there was this idea of patricide, of killing you know, the various gods, you know, maybe they're killing Kronos or they're killing, mm. uh, you know, the, the god of heaven or something like that. All these ideas go back to ancient Sumer. And this mm. is where I was talking about that Akitu festival. This is where the good news of the death of the creator was brought to Satan. Mm. Because when he stole the dominion from Adam and Eve, he then became the guy in charge and the creator god, uh, Anu in the ancient world, but of course the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's, it's not that, he, you know, I mean, he's certainly still God and he's very powerful, no question about that, right? But to some extent, he was limited because Satan had the keys of death and Hades. Mm. And then Jesus is going to wrangle those back, right? But it would take his death on the cross to get those back. And mm. one of the things that I discovered because sometimes people say, well, you know, if God is so powerful and he knows everything, why didn't he just, uh, you know, why didn't Jesus die right after Adam and Eve did their little mistake, right? Right. Because Satan's not an idiot. Satan got the authority and he's not about to give it back. Mm. And he knows that whatever God has said, he also must do. And so that is why he, he's just not going to just give it back. Jesus had to be smarter and, you know, go to the cross, et cetera. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, I want to skip ahead to uh, chapter. We, we, we've covered a few basic things in your book, the first cha four chapters, but I want to go into chapter five, which I really caught my eye. Satan caused the two realms. Yes. What does this mean here? Yeah. Well, so the two realms, we're talking about the heavenly spiritual realm and we're talking about the earthly physical domain. 
Before the fall, those two were really one. And this takes us back to Ezekiel chapter 28, where it says that you were on the holy mountain of God, speaking of Satan or Melkart, right? you were on the holy mountain of God, and he yeah. says that you were in the Garden of Eden. You're like, wait, the Garden of Eden and the holy mountain of God are the same place? I don't get it, because hmm. Adam and Eve were clearly in the Garden of Eden, right? right. And, and even within uh, kind of Jewish parlance, when they talk about heaven, they're really talking about Gan Eden. Right, they're talking mm. about that return and to the paradise. Garden. Exactly, the paradise. Today exactly. you will be with me in paradise. Right, Yeshua yeah, Eden, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's what we're talking about. And what we see in scripture, there's some really distinct places where it talks about the heavens opening up. For example, when Ezekiel is sitting with the captives of Judah by the river Chebar, it says that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. What does it mean that the heavens were open? I mean, did... Mm. You know, somehow the moon and sun move over and, and they're, you know, oh, you know. Well, no, you know, it had nothing to do with the, the physical planets and such. It had to do with some kind of a, a veil, a force field, a membrane mm. between these two domains. When Jesus is coming up out of the water after his baptism, it says mm. that the heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. When Stephen is being stoned, he saw the heavens opened, open, yeah. right? And when John sees Jesus coming back, the heavens are opened. So that's the veil that we talk about. And even mm. Isaiah says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Right? There's so many places that are talking about this. So we know that this veil is going to go away when Jesus returns. But if it's gonna go away, that means that it had to show up at some point. And so before the fall of Adam and Eve, there was this open communication, uh, there was no veil, no partition, nothing that would keep us from seeing God face to face. But mm -hmm. then after sin entered into the world, and what we, what we mean by that, it's not a moral problem. The, the world doesn't have a moral problem, the, the planet, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fine, <laughs> morally speaking. <laughs> but it has a degeneration problem. Right, and we all understand what degeneration is, right? Just wait a couple years, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it starts falling apart, you know? Your car falls apart, your house falls apart, you fall apart, that's degeneration. And that's the, that's the problem of sin, is that it causes degeneration, death. Mm. Yeah. And so you have now this, this all-powerful being who's got this face of electricity, right? And just all this stuff, and I describe all that in, in this one right here. In fact, what's really cool is that Adam and Eve had, they were glowing before the fall. You remember when, when Moses was up with God on Mount Sinai and he came down and he says, he didn't realize it, but the skin of his face was shining. Mm -hmm. That's because he was hanging out with God. He was in the presence of God and God is light and there's no darkness in him. And even just a, a, a little bit, a little dose of that was causing Adam's skin to glow. And there's something called uh, biophotonics, whereby our DNA, all DNA for that matter, it, it absorbs light and it re-emits light. Hmm. And so Adam and Eve being in God's presence would have absorbed God's light and then re-emitted that light. Hmm. And we know that we're gonna get that in our new bodies, right? We're gonna, we're gonna shine like the sun, mm -hmm. right? We're gonna, we're gonna glow, we're told in the book of Daniel as well. So, this was the reality, but then when sin came in, suddenly they lost that covering of light. And so here they had a compatibility issue. 
They could not be in God's presence without burning up. And so then God huh. put the veil there to protect us from him. And, well, we know the rest. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, yeah. it's funny you mentioned that the, the glow because I'm thinking, you know, even just in a physiological sense, um, some people say, oh, you're imagining things, but I don't think so. When a woman becomes pregnant, mm-hmm. they'll say that she's glowing. Well, yes. that should become obvious now. Now we know where this comes from. Yeah. There's new life I've thought growing the same thing. inside her. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's real. That's a real glowing, and maybe that's just a hint of what you know the people saw in Moses and in Adam. Absolutely. And then the death, of course. What happens when someone dies? All the color fades from their right. face, and, right. and it's 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 almost like the the light goes away. And I think we've all met people that you know they're alive, their heart is beating, but they feel dead. You know, and you feel like there's something wrong with this person. There's a very dark person, we might say. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're using that metaphorically, but sometimes you just get the sense that they're kind of sucking light into themselves and nothing's coming back, right? Yeah. Like, they're just kind of a, a black hole. And I completely agree with you, you know, with mm-hmm. that, that new life. Um, I've heard many women, I, I personally can't say it because I'm a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, she was glowing. I'm like, okay, I didn't see it, but I believe you, yeah. right? That, yeah, so-and-so is glowing because of that new life. A uh, good friend of mine is a chiropractor, and uh, he talks about subluxation. That's when, you know, the bones are out of place and you go to a chiropractor to get put back into place. And he said, do you know where that word comes from? And he says, think of lux. Well, what is lux? It means light, yeah. right? Subluxation, your, your, your light is downgraded, sublux, yeah. which means the electrical signals in your brain are not able to get to your body because they're beginning trapped uh-huh. by a, a spine that is out of alignment. Right. So it, it literally means subluxation. The, the primary issue that chiropractic solves is putting light wow. back into the body. That's amazing. That's what it's all about. And yeah. it's, it, it was originally a, a, a God-fearing Christian practice, chi- chiropractic. Wow. It's kind of where the name comes from. But yeah, that's what, that's what they base their thing on, that, that there's light and there's darkness and we need to yeah. provide more light. Just yeah. as we were talking about, there's two sides. Yeah. Life, death, choose one, right? Right, yeah. So yep. So Satan caused it. <laughs> wow, yes. that is just, uh, so he caused that, wow. So, and then the veil limits Satan. How does the veil limit Satan? Well, so, you know, he's on the other side of the veil, right? He does not have easy access to this world. He does have access, but it's not an easy access. So is this like a spirit and a spirit and physical? Is that is that kind of the the, the veil that, that yeah, separation? Yeah, we can we can think of it. You know, here's the physical and here's the spiritual, right? So Satan is hanging out in the spiritual realm. He has influence on the physical realm, but he doesn't have just absolute uh, autonomy to come into this realm, right? So somehow he has to create a bridge to come into this realm. Now we've probably all heard about uh, you know, pentagrams and bloodletting and you know all different kinds of things, Ouija boards for that matter, mm-hmm. things that I do not recommend. Right? They're really bad and they're powerful and they're real. But it's it's the dark side is trying to communicate with this realm. So a portal, if you will. It's a portal, exactly. Okay. Right. So he's stuck on the other side of the portal. So the question is, how does he? get back over here. He might be the king of this world, but he's stuck on the other side of the fence. Mm. So how does he do it? Well, he has to find a portal, he has to find agents, right? He can do it Mm. through possession, but each of these have a cost. 
Now what's interesting on the flip side is that the good angels, they can come and go anytime that they want. As far as we can tell, we're supposed to uh, entertain people because we might be entertaining angels unawares, right? Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. You know, and we see the two angels that come and they go to Sodom and Gomorrah. They seem to have no trouble coming into this realm. Uh, the angels that showed up to Daniel and, and so many other places. But as far as the, the, the bad angels are concerned, they need something. So they, they need mm. a power source. And what's the power source? Blood, unfortunately. Um, and I, I tried to limit this to some degree in my book because it gets pretty dark pretty quick, right? Yeah. And I don't wanna focus on that. But just l let me just say enough that uh, when you study some of the, the deeper things, if you will, of, of the dark side, I mean, they really talk a lot about how blood is key. Mm -hmm. And this is a reason I believe that God said that you shall not eat the blood because the life is in the blood. Aha. Right? Mm. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they died. But they didn't kick the bucket right away, right? Adam made it 930 years. So how did he keep living? Well, Adam, Adam, is from the Adama. He, right, Adam is from the earth, mm -hmm. right? So they're, they're like substance. So he could eat things from the Adama and gain energy. I think of it like charging your batteries, right? And uh, when, when we disconnected from God, we disconnected from the power source. So, so now we're all running on batteries and we're trying to recharge our batteries for a little while. Mm. So how does Satan recharge his batteries? He's a spiritual being. He needs something of a spiritual nature to recharge those batteries, which is blood. And that's the thing that uh, humans can provide. It's kind of like the Matrix, you know, we're all just a bunch of batteries and... <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, Dom, yeah. Red, that's Blood, right. Man, they're all connected right. uh, in the Hebrew. Exactly. Hebrew wording, wow, that's amazing stuff. So, Doug, we're gonna come back and have another episode with you. Can we do that? Absolutely. Okay, this will be great. So, Doug, uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, get Doug's book, Corrupting the Image. It is on Amazon. Uh, we'll just search Corrupting the Image Part 2. Yes. And Corrupting the Image Part 1. You can get both of them. So, uh, as Doug has blessed us and blessed you today, we ask you to bless him back by getting his book on Amazon. Thank you for joining us on Shabbat Night Live. We will see you next week. Until then, Shavuot Tov. Mm -hmm.